Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our text for this day is the Gospel lesson which was previously read. Please be seated. <laughs> I know that because Sylvain and I were down on the Grand Cayman that you probably thought that every day that we went swimming in the Caribbean waters. We did. <laughs> um, but we also took advantage of it as an opportunity to witness to Christ and to speak to people about their, their lives. One day, as we were standing in the waters, we struck up a conversation with a couple of women that came down from Canada. And one of them was actually originally from Lebanon. She was a little girl, had been in Lebanon, living in a Christian village which was about 40 miles north of the Israeli border. That night, Islamic militants came into their village and they killed every man, woman, and child that they could find in that Christian village. She and her family barely escaped and we have to sit back and wonder, how in the world does anybody want to become a Christian when those kinds of things can happen to them? But especially, too, we sometimes wonder why it is that God would allow such things to happen. I think that was in the mind and the hearts of those mothers in Bethlehem as they held their dead children who had just been murdered by Herod's soldiers. Why would God allow this kind of thing to happen? I think we can find comfort in this text if we sit back and try to answer some of the two mysteries that are presented to us in this story. In the first place, we ask ourselves, how is it that saving the baby Jesus was a kind of fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. In what way does that give us any comfort? And the second thing we might want to ask is, why does God allow evil to have its way with us? To start with, let's talk about the comfort of this baby Jesus. We know that the Old Testament scriptures were given to us so that we might have hope. From the Old Testament, we read, or about the Old Testament, we read from Romans 15, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning so that through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. The entire Old Testament is there to give us hope. We also know that Jesus is the very focus, the center, the heart of the Old Testament, and that really Christ is everywhere in that Old Testament. The Apostle Paul writes at the very beginning of the book of Romans, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son. It's all about Christ in the Old Testament. So there are two prophecies in this text in particular that interest us very greatly. The first is actually taken from Hosea. Out of Egypt have I called my son. And the second 
is taken from Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. Hopefully I can spare you a lecture that would be theological today. There is something called typological prophecy and something called rectilinear prophecy, but we're not going to go into that. But it may be helpful to understand something about the nature of Old Testament prophecy. Prophecies very often appear to point to or speak about something that was actually happening in the days in which they were written. For instance, Hosea saw God's love in the deliverance of Israel from the bondage of the land of Egypt. You all remember that story of the Exodus. He writes, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And Jeremiah witnessed the very sorrowful destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonians in 587 B.C. It was as though he was watching the people of Israel being deported for the very route that the people were taken on their way to Babylon passed by the tomb of Rachel, who had been that favorite wife, you remember, of Jacob. Passing by this tomb, he writes, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But these prophecies are actually pointing to something in the future, something much smaller, an event that, however, was far more important. We know this because the Holy Spirit said it, this was the fulfillment of this text. Consider, first of all, how big, if you will, that whole exodus of Egypt was. There were plagues of blood and frogs and hail and locusts and darkness smashing, drowning Pharaoh and all his army in the Red Sea, while millions of Israelites fled into the wilderness through and passing through the waters of the Red Sea. But mysteriously, that event was actually pointing forward to a far greater event, the event of a mother and a father holding a baby coming out of Egypt. Why was the small thing so much more important than the big thing? It was because that one who was coming out of Egypt was destroying something far greater than Pharaoh. He was destroying and would destroy the greatest enemy of mankind, the Pharaoh of death that rules over each and every one of us. Consider that big destruction of Israel that took place in 587, taking half to three-quarters of the entire population of Israel, stripping them naked, shaving their heads, putting them in ropes like slaves, and deporting them all the way to modern-day Iraq. And that event was pointing to something far more significant when those soldiers showed up and took the lives of all those little children 
in the attempt to destroy the Christ child. Why would this small thing be far greater than that big thing? Because that child fleeing from Herod was going to destroy the greater bondage, not of physical ropes, but of spiritual ones, of ropes upon the hearts of men, of slavery and humiliation and despair that afflicts the souls of men. How then do we interpret these texts for us? We can say that just as Jesus was called forth from Egypt as the beloved Son of God, and that just as Israel was delivered from the oppression of Pharaoh, so also our Lord and Savior will deliver us from the Pharaoh of death and bring us into the promised land. That's the reason why in our liturgy we talk about how it is that God baptized all of Israel in the midst of the Red Sea. Do you realize that everybody, men, women, and even little babies, were baptized in the midst of the Red Sea as God was destroying their enemies and saving them? He was telling us what? That in these waters of baptism, which Wyatt received today, that God was destroying his enemies and the greatest of those enemies was death itself. That's why that small thing of that little child was more significant than even the Exodus itself. How do we interpret Jeremiah? Well, we can say that just as those little babies in Bethlehem became victims of evil, and just as Israel was enslaved by the Babylonians and delivered ultimately, that such unjust violence will not be God's last word. Jeremiah wrote, Restrain your voice from weeping and your ears, your eyes from tears, for your work will be re rewarded, declares the Lord. No matter what may happen to us, not even death is God's final word. For God's children, the day is coming when, as the scriptures say, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This helps us to try and address the second mystery of this text, and that is, why evil? Why does God allow evil to have its way with us? Whenever we take up this topic, we have got to realize that we cannot know all things. We cannot even know the mind of God. Paul says, who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? We are nothing but little grains of sand on the seashores. God is our creator and the sustainer and his ways are vastly beyond our comprehension. All God tells us is that evil will exist on this side of creation, but he is going to destroy evil. If we are going to look, however, for a cause for evil, we look, need look no further than ourselves. In Adam and Eve's fall into sin, the entire human race fell away from God and under the spell of evil. I say it's as simple as bowling. God sets up the pins 
and men knocked them down. Jeremiah said that Israel, they had been like unruly calves. It had, they had wandered, he said, and they had departed from God's pathways. And as a result, they fell under God's, they fell under the spell of evil. And we should remember that that can happen to us too. To depart from God's ways means that it's our fault when these evil things happen. But where there is repentance, what Jeremiah calls a beating of the breast, God promises to us that he will never forget his children. So the comfort we find in this story, very strangely, is the reason for why evil was trying to destroy that child. That Christ child was going to destroy the power of sin and evil. He was going to destroy the devil, the word diabolos, the deceiver. He was going to destroy the deception that comes upon men. And he was going to destroy Satan, which is the accuser, the one who accuses us of our sins, the one who drives into our consciences the doubt and the despair, the one who makes us afraid of death. He was going to destroy him. And that is why in Hebrews he writes, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. What a comfort to know that whatever the world can do to our children, there is nothing that can take them out of the hand of the Lord and Savior himself. In Psalm 91, it says, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. So what comfort would you have brought to those mothers that day who were holding those dead infants in their hands? Might you have said, you know, the child Jesus is safe. And because he is safe, he will someday give you back your children. His will be a better exodus when he destroys the power of sin and death. Might you have said to those who were weeping that day, the last word doesn't belong to the devil, it belongs to God. And how sweet it would have been to have quoted the Apostle Paul's words if they had been written earlier. Paul writes, I am convinced that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So whisper this into the ears of Wyatt and all the children that you know. Because he is safe, so also are you. Amen. Amen. May the peace of God 
which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Amen.